a look behind closed doors, an ear for disregarded topics, a voice for the quiet ones. Up next on Ara City Radio, Francisca explores local matters. On local matters this week we talk about flat sharing. In our neighboring countries, flat sharing has a huge tradition, particularly in the cities with old universities. Three or four people live together in apartments, each one having his or her own room, but kitchens and living rooms are shared spaces and become a meeting point for the small housing community. In Luxembourg, the university is still very young and even the fast growth of the population is a relatively recent phenomenon. There was no need for shared flats for a long time. While traditions and social structures such as housing communities need time to grow, commercial actors adapt much faster to emerging needs of the market. Flat sharing has become commercialized in the past years. Large firms offer single rooms and flats shared with up to 10 people that aren't conceived to facilitate social interaction, but to maximize the landlord's profits. In our neighboring countries, students make their first friends in the new city within their flats. They learn how to adapt to others by fighting over issues like cleaning and setting up a working Wi-Fi connection. And they grow together by carrying furniture for the shared spaces up on the fourth floor. In Luxembourg, co-living is often much more impersonal. No need for fighting because cleaning personnel is included in the rent, furniture is there and Wi-Fi just works. It is also much more expensive. For a single room, people pay up to a thousand euros per month. In our interview today, Ben George Coles talks to Miguel Ortiz about his housing situation. For six months, Miguel lived in an overcrowded, surveilled and avariciously managed flat share in Mel. So thanks for joining me, Miguel. You had, during your stay in Luxembourg, a pretty regrettable rental situation. Would you mind telling me a little about that? Yes, I moved to Luxembourg in August of 2021. Back in the day, it was much more of an online uh, house search, particularly for COVID restrictions, and also due to the unexpected sort of news that I was going to move to Luxembourg to start work. Uh, and I found this housing offer on Facebook. The housing uh, was something that was very interesting for me, primarily because it offered private bathroom and enough space uh, with a supposed workspace inside with cleaning opportunities inside. The rent was 1,000 euros, which I think uh, within Luxembourgish terms is, is something inside of the palm. Mm -hmm. And I had seen that uh, the other housing situations that were more cheap would uh, primarily mean sharing a bathroom with more people. Uh, at the time, uh, particularly, I was a bit more COVID cautious, uh, so I didn't want to have a situation where I was having to work and sharing a bathroom with someone who was infected with COVID. And yes, a lot of the housing options that were offered out there were very clearly stated that I would have to share a bathroom with four or five people. But yep, yeah, so when I moved in, it, it was I was asked to provide three months worth of a deposit for rent, if I'm not mistaken. And that was on the day that I arrived at the house. 
the uh, day I arrived at the house, I didn't meet the landlord. I was met this uh, in-between person and uh, I never ended up meeting the landlord uh, at all. The housing situation in general, what stands out is two points. The first one is the kitchen, where the kitchen had been renovated and moved away from what was now a room and was put inside an old basement. Uh, which had been previously, I believe, the trash closet of the house. It was a modern kitchen, uh, but uh, it didn't have many windows. The one window that was there went to uh, our neighbor's garden. And of course, it, this was had many inconveniences because it was shared with all other 12 people who lived in the same building. Also, this kitchen uh, was infested uh, from day one with rats primarily because, of course, the window was on ground level. So if you wanted to open the, the window to reduce the smell of 12 people using coming and going into the kitchen, you had to uh, <laughs> come to terms with the strong possibility that rats would uh, sense this easy opportunity to get into everyone's food. Uh, so yeah, that's just generally the, the general standards of the house. Uh, it was cleaned once every two weeks. The cleaning ladies would be uh, quite friendly, but they were very clear that they would not clean uh, the kitchen themselves. They'd only clean the floors and the in-between parts of the kitchen was supposed to be our responsibility. Another interesting fact is that the, the house was monitored inside. So it had cameras uh, inside of the entrance area, inside of the common areas and Yes, supposedly, if you were caught, for example, holding a party or uh, holding any sort of guests uh, or breaking something in the common area, this was supposed to be for that sort of surveillance. To my knowledge, it wasn't used, but there was cameras for a reason, no? When you say it wasn't used, you mean you don't think anyone was watching even, like, or just nobody was penalized on the basis of anything that was picked up on the camera? Nobody was penalized on the basis that something might have been picked up on the camera. I know there was, someone must have opened the, the front door but very harsh and made a crack. And uh, the landlord made a big fuss about it for a while. But yeah, that was looking towards a camera and nobody was ever asked anything about this. Uh... So then, you know, it seems like it's more for the purposes of intimidation. <laughs> How did you feel about that? Well, I think when you're a foreigner coming into a new country, into a new city, you're always your expectations for things that will probably take you out of your comfort zone uh, is high. Uh, but yes, no, it felt really awkward to have the camera around. Uh, it felt really weird and uh, a bit of an invasion of privacy. And it was never stated inside of the contract that there would be cameras there. And yeah, there was no real discussion about it, no possibility to talk anything about the situation it was against the rules for you to have a party there it, it was against the rules to have yeah guests over stay the night so you could invite people into the house but they would be very clear in saying that oh if you've invited someone to stay the night then that that counts as you are technically sub-renting your room and they should also be paying rent 
and this was used when we've got uh, when there might be a party or if there were people visiting over. And even if it's one only one night they stay, they should be one night. If you were caught one night, I think you could uh, talk yourself out. But uh, yeah, there was a, a real uh, danger to the fact. So I know of a, of a housemate at the time, uh, they had uh, a partner at the time coming to visit sometimes, spending nights, and they had to actively uh, conceal this fact on a on a on a daily basis. Wow. Um, and are most of the people that you were sharing the premises with were students or interns, young people. Most people were people working. It's the sort of housing which would attract maybe people who had started an internship mm-hmm. or who had a salary job but wanted to save up money. You mentioned a couple of other things when we were talking before about inflexibility of the period of time you could stay there and fines paid at the end, taken out of your deposit for very small things. Could you say a bit about those? Yes. Um, When you arrived at the house, you had to state how long you were going to stay. So you had to state whether you were going to stay six months or a year. From my knowledge, you could state more than a year, but uh, I don't know if that was an option to state more than a year. Key points about this fact, uh, number one, is that if you wanted to amend what you had said, uh, so initially when I started, I had an internship position for six months, so I said six months. You had to inform the landlord two months prior to the expiration of your contract that you wanted to extend by six months more. I needed to stay a couple more months in Luxembourg due to work and then uh, move on to other things, so part of the company plan that I was working at at the time. And uh, uh, when they wanted to have me stay in Luxembourg, I informed my boss that uh, I could not stay in my current housing, that I had no place to stay because the contract had expired. And I had already lost the ability to inform my landlord to uh, stay an extra amount of time. So through that, I managed to negotiate uh, through reduction of my salary. I managed to negotiate a hotel stay uh, as part of my package for the duration of what was left in Luxembourg. Uh, This meant that uh, quite a lot of administrative and personal struggle because I didn't have an official residence throughout that period or through a period where I was moving to a different city and different country. But yeah, so for me personally, it really affected me. I would have preferred to have stayed an extra amount of time inside of the the housing, uh, primarily because it was where I was already located. Then also as a caveat to the six month to one year policy, non-EU slash EEA citizens were expected to only stay one year. They had no flexibility as to the six month clause. And the other point about the, the fines? Yes. So as I mentioned, uh, when you joined the house, uh, you had to uh, give three months worth of uh, rent as deposit. Upon the end of contract, uh, I started hearing from other people in the house to be very careful with the final days because they, uh, the landlord was known to be very uh, well, deceitful came to the to the to the deposit so we had to be very careful at the same time another person uh, a friend of mine she, uh, she was also leaving the house and uh, we spent our time 
cleaning up the, the house, ensuring that everything was room, cleaning up our rooms as much as possible uh, in order to ensure that, uh, that the deposit would be paid in full, which is a large deposit. So by the time on the final day, uh, the, the intermediary person came through, not the landlord again. So I never personally met the landlord. And the intermediary person uh, did a check of my room and check of my friend's room as well. And uh, went through an order list. And uh, well, in my room, he found a remote control, which is supposedly a charge remote control, one of those Apple uh, remotes. And uh, he found that it was out of battery. He noted it down to a paper and he said that no, everything should be fine. And for my uh, friend, uh, he said, no, everything is fine from this side as well. Uh, a, a week later, after not receiving our deposits, we both took the, the action of sending a message to our landlord to the WhatsApp, which uh, we later found was a ghost phone number. So it, those messages were going to no one to please uh, send us the deposit. We received no reply. Uh, so we sent an email and then we received uh, an answer with part of our deposit. But for me personally, I had lost 175 euros of deposit because the remote control was not charged. And the landlord stated that he needed to uh, also pay cleaning fees, which he already paid for the cleaning fees and the room was uh, already approved by his inspector. Something similar uh, happened to my friend. So we each got charged around 200 euros um, for uh, the departure of the room. And uh, when we made the, uh, when we of course tried to fight it back, we were completely stonewalled and blocked by email and we were also uh, the only point of contact we had was this ghost phone number which uh, didn't take us anywhere yeah i don't know if it happened to other people after i know it happened to people before and i think it was the modus operandi of the of the landlord in order to gain a little bit of extra cash when maybe times were going rough for him right it's a very generous interpretation he was going through rough times and exactly no other way of uh, making ends meet, poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> the difficult life of a Luxembourgish landlord. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so would you say that it contributed in any way to your own departure from Luxembourg, that this rental situation? Well, I, I think, uh, well, a little side note about me is that I was working in recruitment inside of Luxembourg. And I primarily saw that it was it's becoming more and more of an issue for Luxembourg for people to move to Luxembourg, right? Uh, with the current salaries that you're looking for and the current salaries that you receive in Luxembourg, the housing situation is is abysmal. As an intern, I was spending more than 50% of my salary on rent, and I found myself in that situation. And it is becoming harder and harder, uh, I think, for Luxembourgish companies to in convince uh, young people to work in Luxembourg for this reason. For me, uh, personally, I think uh, the situation, uh, Luxembourg ended in a, in a high note because the company made a lot of effort to ensure to keep me there and to keep me in a very, very nice place, which was a hotel. Um, but I know a lot of people who had to live in these sort of situations, leave, uh, live in this sort of complicated situation or even run a deficit 
in order to have their starting internship in Luxembourg. And then also having the situation of hiring people to come to Luxembourg and they'd be excited when they hear, you know, this is the average Luxembourger salary, because of course that's enticing. And then they find that, uh, that in many cases, a lot of the housing situation is almost feudalistic in, in, in Luxembourg and uh, feeling a bit betrayed by the company in itself because it's like, oh, I didn't know Luxembourg had this housing problem that it has today. Well, that's a, a very decisive, clear note to end on. And I hope the Luxembourg authorities will take note of your words, Miguel. So too. Thank you so much again for your time. Thank you too. Uh, have a good rest of the day. That was Ben George Coles interviewing Miguel Ortiz. Miguel shared the experiences he made sharing a flat in Luxembourg. This was our second episode of this week's Local Matters on flat sharing in Luxembourg. Tomorrow we are going to talk to Gary Diederich, the founder of the WG Projet, a project that aims to make flat sharing in Luxembourg more accessible and more personal. Tune in again for this new episode of Local Matters tomorrow morning. That was Local Matters with Francisca Peschel every Tuesday to Thursday at 9.40 on RCT Radio, 102.9, 105.2, 87.8 and in our podcast on rscityradio.com.